Welcome to the podcast, a monthly podcast brought to you by Profitable Ideas Exchange. Your partner in strategic relationships and business development. We are your hosts, Aubrey Darden and TJ Dennis. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. We're really excited to bring someone from outside of Pi today, Tanya Andreessen, the Community Engagement Manager for One Valley Community Foundation. Affordable housing around the world, around the United States, and especially in the Gallatin Valley has been a huge topic, and it's been really great for Pi to partner with One Valley Community Foundation on some of these topics that affect our employees and the place we call home. Tanya grew up in Montana and after many years of living and working in Alaska and Wyoming, has put down roots in the Gallatin Valley to raise her two kids. A big believer in the power of neighbors helping neighbors through partnership and discourse, Tanya fills the role of community engagement manager with the technical skills of a certified public engagement specialist and a master of public administration from the Montana State University. She puts those beliefs and skills to work throughout the Gallatin County by crafting inclusive and effective opportunities for people to participate in decision-making that impacts their own lives. Okay, well, welcome to the show, Tanya. We're really excited to have you. So uh, I guess before we dive into our interview, I'll provide a little bit of context to our listeners about how we got connected. So one of the former employees of Pi, Alice Buckley, um, knows the executive director over at One Valley, and we were exploring how we could do a little bit more work in our local community and how we might be able to partner with nonprofits and foundations, and that's ultimately how we got connected, Tanya, and we, we've we had the opportunity to do some work with you over the past few months, which has been really exciting and rewarding for myself and for the company more broadly, but we'll dig into that a little bit later, um, and we'll just go ahead and get started. Tanya, would love for you to tell us a little bit about what One Valley does and and why does One Valley exist? Yeah, thanks, Aubrey. So One Valley is a public uh, community foundation. Um, There are different structures having to do with the IRS, uh, et cetera, for foundations and philanthropy. And One Valley is um, essentially our county's charitable savings bank. That's how we can think about it. Um, So traditionally, community foundations have pooled philanthropic dollars. And then they've done a good job, um, hopefully, across the nation of turning those dollars around to meet needs in communities. Um, One Valley particularly expands that definition of a traditional community foundation, and really does a lot of work in supporting nonprofit capacity development. We have a staff person here, Jill Elwood, and she is excellent at providing trainings, um, technical assistance, opportunities for um, education and resource development in our nonprofit sector here in the county. And there are hundreds of nonprofits here in Gallatin County. My uh, part of the work here at One Valley Community Foundation is really around community leadership. Um, I'm called the community engagement manager, um, but really what I do is try to create systems and opportunities for 
people, non-experts and experts alike, um, to contribute their ideas and their solution um, uh, methods for solution making to problems and decisions that influence their lives. So today we'll talk a lot about housing. Housing is top of mind for folks here in Gallatin County. Sure. And I'll explain, I'll sort of expand my explanation of what One Valley does um, throughout our conversation um, and really sort of uh, talk about how a regular person living out there doing business, working, playing in our county can contribute to policy development and funding decision making. Mm, that's outstanding. Wait, before we get there, <clears throat> you mentioned something that I have always had a question about. It feels like Gallatin County has, you've mentioned hundreds of nonprofits. Is that a particularly high like number of uh, nonprofits? Is it, I feel like it's just a lot compared to other places I've lived or seen around the world. So I guess I'm just curious, is Gallatin Valley like above average in that regard? You know, I'm not particularly sure. Um, I would say that our nonprofit community is robust and I've heard from other people that they say that, you know, we have a pretty high number. I would say that because of the uh, connection points between the nonprofits and the ways that they work together, mm. um, and really the willingness of our community members to contribute time, financial resources, um, and, and even social and political capital to the work that mm -hmm. our nonprofits do, um, that we are sort of fertile grounds for the nonprofit community um, to do their mission work. Cool. No, that's terrific. So I guess along those same lines, then, you know, I think that a lot of people's perspective is that change or solution comes from a state or a federal level. And I'd be curious to hear, you know, the perspective of the local level, how it moves the needle, where I guess the rubber meets the road here and where local makes actual impacts on how people live their lives on a day to day basis. Would love to hear more about that. Well, you ask a question that I like to talk about a whole lot <laughs> at dinner parties and at work alike. Um, so thanks for asking that. I think that really local solution making is most effective because we feel, we, the collective we here in Gallatin County, um, feel the impact of the problem or the need. Mm. Um, and so we're motivated to address that problem or need by, active, by being involved in activating solutions. So I have a few examples um, yeah. of, of how we don't really have to sort of sell anyone um, on the, the needs around housing. Um, and so I have examples across the categories of funding, direct service, and policy that really get to your point about how cool. local is best. Love it. So in the funding category, um, a large employer, uh, a restaurant owner, um, a hospital, et cetera, if a large employer can't keep staffed up um, and really experiences reductions in profit because of our housing shortage, for example, here in our county, yeah, totally. um, they're living with the impacts of those problems. Because they feel it, they're more likely to give, maybe financially, maybe in other ways, to housing solutions to fund uh, the development or the preservation of homes. That's mm -hmm. not the case. Why would a restaurant owner that's not feeling a pinch uh, contribute to home development? Hmm. But here in our county, we're finding that we get um, a lot of investment in many different ways from our private sector. Um, and, I, and I think that is because we feel the pinch here, all of us. 
and they're interested in addressing those solutions uh, in with their own with their own resources. When it comes to giving dollars, there has to be alignment with values or some personal connection or understanding of the cause. Being local means you have that connection. Simple right. as that. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Another example is, is around direct service. Um, so any, regardless of the intention of federal or state level dollars or solution making, uh, there is no way that they can know exactly what the needs are in our particular community. So because localities don't necessarily always have funds or capacity, for research and sort of broad level policy or programmatic decision-making, we do need state and federal contributions and investment in, in resolving local problems. But really at the local level, we need uh, local organizations that hire local employees to serve the local needs uh, that are very particular to our place. I mean, that makes sense, especially considering the size of Montana and some of the the differences in just money and economics and overall, you know, landscape in general, right? It's so different varying this entire, this entire state, let alone all others. It's so very different. One example I like to um, sort of think about when it comes to federal funding, for example, uh, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration is a federal entity, and they give Mm -hmm. dollars all over the nation. Um, to really mitigate some of the impacts of behavioral health, addiction, um, et cetera, on our, <clears throat> on our populations. Mm-hmm. And somebody at the federal level um, was on a technical assistance call with me one time, and, and she said, honestly, I love what I do, but there's no way that I can hold the hand of a man who just lost his son or daughter uh, to suicide. Mm. And so that's an example of how federal dollars are very much needed um, to operate on a local level to solve problems. But we need that local community members to hold the man of hold the hands of that father um, Mm. who lost a child to suicide. Um, And so that's an example of how um, really we need local is best. Yeah, that I'm convinced. (laughs) (laughs) My last example is around policy and With regards to policy, local solution making means that we address the very particular needs of our community using the resources and assets that we have among us. Again, if we're talking about housing, housing needs in Gallatin County look very different from those around uh, Montana. Other counties don't have the same housing issues that we do here. So policy is never one size fits all. It makes no sense to construct a 30-story apartment building, for example, in Bozeman. Um, Mm -hmm. Our tallest building is, I don't know, what, eight stories tall. (laughs) I think so, Um, yeah. (laughs) But it does make sense to create a policy that might allow the development of infill or density. We have a lot of large single-family lots here, um, and those have been developed over the past, what, 50 or 100 years. Now Mm -hmm. we're finding that we have a housing shortage. We need homes for people to live in. They don't necessarily want a 2,500 square foot uh, home on an acre lot. I don't myself. (laughs) (laughs) And right now we have policies in place. We meaning lots of localities, um, including Gallatin County, uh, 
that prevent development of smaller home building and more dense home building and taller home building. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when it comes to making local policy solutions, um, there's no way that the state uh, or the federal government could really be as influential in designing our uh, neighborhoods um, to, in the most effective way, but our mm-hmm. municipal governments can. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. And this this conversation ties very nicely into our next question, which was about, as I kind of mentioned in my intro, um, talking about how we got connected and the work that we've done together, we had an opportunity to partner with One Valley to help facilitate a conversation around affordable housing in the Gallatin Valley. So I would love for you to share with us and also our listeners some of your takeaways and maybe some key perspectives that you thought were particularly interesting from that conversation. Yeah, thanks for that question. And thanks for the opportunity really to partner with you all. Um, I really valued how your skill set has paired well with our community need for conversation, generative discourse. So I would say that one of my favorite things about that conversation was just the assembly of partners. We mm-hmm. had restaurant owners, we had uh, elected officials, both from the county and the city. Uh, we had a developer and a banker, um, and we had me. <laughs> and it was a great conversation in many ways because of the group of people in the room. They don't necessarily have time together in their regular daily life. So one of my favorite takeaways is just the reinforcement, uh, the the reinforcement of my belief that it's important to get together in the same room, maybe break bread um, and have conversations, not expecting that agreement will happen among all of the partners at the table. But in fact, that disagreement will happen. And by being together in the same room, we can air things out. We can sort through differences and maybe even come to some shared understanding, not agreement, but maybe shared understanding um, about the worldview or or the space that a partner comes to the table and brings that dissenting viewpoint. It's so it's so interesting because I feel like people love to disagree when they're not face to face, but face to face, everybody's very, uh, very amenable. <laughs> it's so true. And I don't know where I read it. Um, and I, I feel like some older wise person said it, but it really is hard to hate up close. Yes. Um, it's a really it's kind of an extreme statement, but there's a lot of truth to it. If, if you kind of let your thoughts linger on it. hundred percent. hundred percent. Aubrey, another takeaway from that conversation for me is that I thought it was valuable for the people in the room to maybe realize that some of the efforts that they had been making to problem solve weren't exactly landing the way they wanted them to um, in the, the working lives of of their partners. And let me explain that a little bit. So in the development community, 
they are faced with procedural and regulatory uh, rules. Um, some would say constraints, but we'll just say rules um, that allow them to build commercial and residential um, structures, right? It, within, we'll use the city of Bozeman as an example. Okay. So one thing that the city of Bozeman has done is they've really tried to streamline the process of development. It used to take months and months and months. There were kind of log jams due to staffing issues or process issues, technology issues. Sure. Mm -hmm. And they've done a lot of work to try to mitigate some of those, um, some of those gaps. What they heard what our elected official heard in that room and in that conversation is that the development community appreciates their efforts, but it's not good enough yet. Mm -hmm. And so that is really important data. It's an opportunity for the development community to say, thanks, but we need a little more or different um, with the changes that you're trying to implement. And it's good for the government agency to understand that their efforts need to be ongoing. They can't stop with what they've tried already. Right. And that could never happen if they didn't have that discussion opportunity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's something that we take away often in the work that we do is that one conversation just isn't enough. It seems like by having one conversation, you maybe solve one problem and uncover four more to work on. Um, and that's like the power of, of iterative conversation, right? What's, what's the next one look like? Is there a next one? Is it, you know, or what do you anticipate for future conversations around housing, affordable housing um, in the Gallatin Valley? Yeah, well, exactly uh, as you say, one conversation is not enough. And I can absolutely envision that we'll host dozens of small group conversations with sectors and diverse partners over the coming years and very specifically about housing and housing solution making. Uh, one of the initiatives, my major initiative right now is called the Regional Housing Coalition. The Regional Housing Coalition is essentially a diverse group of partners that we are gathering together uh, we'll have quarterly meetings, plus ongoing kind of subcommittee or research team meetings uh, between each of those quarterly forums. And so because it's so many people and it is a diversity of, partner, of partners, we had to lend structure to how we're going to do that job. How are we going to ensure that those iterative, iterative conversations happen and that we derive value from holding them? And so we've decided to sort of structure our regional housing coalition, which is countywide, um, after the collective impact model. You can Google that um, if you're interested. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's a lot of research. It's it's sort of initiated out of um, uh, Stanford uh, about ten years ago or more, and uh, they're kind of retooling it right now after ten years of lessons learned. But the collective impact model is really meant to be structured conversations around shared priority setting. And there is ongoing communication 
an accountability that is uh, woven into how that group of people work together. Mm. So my job will be the communication uh, and getting people together and some of the research and the job of the partners who will be on that uh, regional housing coalition will be to activate around solution making. Mm. Terrific. It's, uh, it, I'm excited to hear more. Yeah, likewise. It's such a cool model and so necessary for our community. It's exciting to have someone dedicated to working on that. And we thank you and One Valley for all your work here in the Bozeman and Gallatin community more broadly. It's a big, hairy, audacious goal. Yes. (laughs) Yes. A BHAG. A BHAG. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Um, Well, before we wrap up here, Tanya, I'd love for you to share anything else that you have going on with One Valley, or maybe if anyone wants to learn more about the Community Foundation, where they might be able to go to learn more. Yeah. Certainly, if anybody is interested in reading more about our housing initiatives or our work generally, they can go to our website, um, which is onevalley.org. Regional housing, uh, forward slash regional housing is where they'll get to the housing specific initiatives. Um, But the the main website is chock full of information as well about our broader work. One thing that I wanted to add, Aubrey, to your previous question, if it's okay, um, Mm -hmm. just to kind of add to it. I just wanted to say that one of the great things about having facilitation in the room, somebody dedicated to note-taking, somebody dedicated to facilitation, um, is that it really allows us to provide a forum where all voices are heard. Even in our group of, I'd say, 10 people mm-hmm. um, that were in that room that day, I would say that some folks practiced um, sort of more assertive communication than, than the next guy. Um, and that's true in almost every conversation I've ever been in. And I really valued what Pi brought to the table that day because it's important to hear the quieter voice or the less assertive voice, um, somebody who may not feel uh, confidence uh, or feel themselves as a non-expert. Those are exactly the ideas <laughs> and the input that we need to collect in order to genuinely influence policy and, dis- and funding decision-making to make sure that our policies most align with the daily lives of our community members. So I really want to thank you for investing that time, you and the entire organization for investing that time in that conversation, the outcomes, um, the nuggets of information, but also the partnerships um, and the understanding that emerged from that conversation for me, but also the other people in the room, um, the benefits of, of those will be ongoing and contribute to how we structure the housing coalition and future conversations. Well, thank you so much for, for all your kind words. Like I've said, before it was such a pleasure to partner with One Valley and I know that getting to personally work on the project but also other employees here at PI seeing that we're dedicating time and resources and skills to an organization that's dedicated to issues that are really important to the employees of PI I know that's meant a lot to us as well so 
Mm-hmm. We're so happy our our skills could benefit benefit really important work happening here in our valley. So um, thank you for all you do for One Valley. And thank you so much for coming on the show. It's such a pleasure to interview you. Thank you so much. I enjoyed myself. Thank you, Tanya. This is awesome stuff and aligns so much with what we're doing. So echoing Aubrey, have a wonderful day and and really looking forward to the next time we can talk. Sounds great. Looking forward to it myself. Bye. Take care. Thank you for listening to the podcast brought to you by Profitable Ideas Exchange. If you enjoyed the content in this month's discussion, please visit our blog at ProfitableIdeas.com or check out our books, Never Say Sell and How Clients Buy. Profitable Ideas Exchange, connecting powerful minds and making the world smarter and smaller.